Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here we go. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Thank you, because you've been sending really great stuff, not just articles, sermons, but also questions. Don't know why, but I'm really okay. This is going to this is going to sound like a complete contradiction. I'm encouraged by your challenges, not happy that you've got challenges, but so often when, when we hear these questions, the conundrums that are going on in the local church or in families, it's like, oh, yeah, we got that, too. Oh, I know somebody who's dealing with that. And it is helpful that other people maybe hear something about your situation that helps them. So thank you for sending questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. We start with Noah. Todd, how would you fill in the blank? Finish this sentence. Jimmy. I know what that means. Well, I'm just making sure. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Jimmy is my best. I'm sorry. That was the wrong question. <laughs> no. Uh, the, Producer. That's uh, <laughs> that was so heartfelt. <laughs> the main thing the church should be about is. Oh, wow. It is a fill in the blank. Okay. So now you're not messing anymore. Yeah. The main thing about the church, I, 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 I don't know that we can pick a main thing. That's sort of like saying, what's God's most important attribute? Well, they're all like, hmm. so I think of a few things. The main thing about the church is the fidelity, making sure that we are doing all of the things that our Lord commands regarding church. That's why the study of ecclesiology is unfortunately overlooked, but really important because it helps us to know all of the components that the Bible actually speaks on regarding the church. It's not like we don't have any information about how a church is to operate. And so we see things like the preaching of the word, the reading of the word, prayers are being offered, fellowship of the saints, baptism, Lord's Supper, church discipline. The Lord hasn't left us in the dark regarding how he wants church run. So I would say all of the things that the Bible tells us about church are important things. But if we want to just kind of generalize, I think it's fidelity to the word, love for the Lord, and love for his people. If those foci, that's right, Jimmy, Foci. It's the plural of focus. I just say focus. Is, is, is. That's what some people would say. <laughs> no, sorry, Bob. The foci, if they are, we want to make sure that we're doing church God's way, that we are growing in our love for him and we have a deep love for his people. 
then you've probably found a pretty good church idea. How would you answer that, Jimmy? You can't really pick. Oh, yeah, that's that's tough. I, you know, the the first um, the first thing you said, fidelity to the word, I think would probably be my first answer. And it had, but it, but I wouldn't. I don't like leaving that the only answer. Right, that's true. That that's sort of like your central hermeneutical motif, mm-hmm. or your central interpretive motif, rather, or your same homiletical motif. What's the point? Yeah, we want to be faithful to the word, but to what end? And that, I have to confess to you, my observation in our conservative Bible-based teaching churches is that we're focusing a lot on the fidelity to the Word, but failing to bring it to a conclusion. And that's why the cliche persists, that the longest eight inches in the world is from the head to the heart. We need to make sure that what we're teaching Sunday school to the children, our homeschool teaching, whatever it is that you're involved in teaching, it isn't just theological information. God's word is not intended to be some sort of divine textbook, meaning we treat it like a science or a math book. Just remember this stuff, drill and kill. Imagine if we just did that with the Bible. And we've, we've done that in the past. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have kids memorize Bible verses. No, you've got to memorize this many verses this week. I remember going through that, but that's not where we want it to end. Yes, we want our kids and ourselves to be memorizing Bible verses, but why? So that we can understand it like the Pythagorean theorem? I don't even know if that's right or not because it's a math thing and I have no clue. But is that what we want with our Bibles? To just know divinity? Without knowing God, idea at wretched.org. All right, can you expound on that just a second? So can the word become an idol? Well, sure. It, yeah, yeah, it, it can. And, and here's, look, I have a propensity for that. I, I love this stuff. I mean, I just dig it. I've, I've said this before, but most people have a propensity towards something. Even just consider the realm of athletics. You dig particular sports. That's why we have a panoply of options. Some people like soccer. I don't know why, but you do. Football, tennis, whatever it is. Why? Well, you just dig it. What about work? There are some people that go to tech school. I just want, I I would like to be an engineer. Why? Because you dig it. And there are many of us who dig theology. And we got to be careful that we aren't just amassing a lot of knowledge. And and I think one of the reasons, I think there's at least two reasons why we tend to do that. First of all, it's because we do love this stuff. It is a field of study that we just enjoy. Just like somebody who digs art, not just art, a particular period of art, and they know everything about the Impressionistic era. All the painters, when they lived, how they died, the progression of that particular form. Why? I just like it. But see, all of those studies can't do what the Bible promises. The Bible promises you dig that word and you are going to love the Lord more. So I think one of the reasons that we have a tendency to focus on theology without having it travel to our hearts is because it's an intellectual pursuit that we simply enjoy. Number two, it takes work. It's you got you to stop and think about this. I 
I'm I'm tempted to, I don't think I'm going to do this because it would just, I think, feel weird. And I don't want to undermine anything that a pastor is doing. But on September 17th, I get to be at Faith Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You have to say it like that, or we will notice you're an alien to the great state of Minnesota. And we're going to be talking about the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm so tempted. I don't, I'm not, not going to do it, but I'm so tempted. If God's love is as expansive as the universe, just close your eyes and imagine for a second. It's, it's, it's like Atlas, the, the, the strong dude, and he's hunched over and he's got the world on his shoulder. Okay, you're Atlas and you've got the universe on your back. It would be like you're just a little blip and the universe is, wow, that's God's love on you. You got to think about that. You've got to take the time to ponder that. And you've got to let it sink in. Mrs. Freel and I have been talking about this a fair amount. And she said something that I think is the cry of a lot of hearts. I just, I mean, that he loves, I mean, I get that he loves and he's loved, but he loves me. That's a hard thing, isn't it? But he wants us to think like, he wants us to think like that. It will do things to you. It isn't just going to warm your heart. I'm telling you, it will sanctify you. It will grow you in holiness. It will cause you to go, why in the world would I want to look at something, do something, say something that the Lord who loves me hates? It'll grow you in sanctification. So make sure you're learning theology, but make sure that it is not stopping with a mere intellectual pursuit. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Pamela. Todd, I just learned through a newsletter that Twitch is hosting a 24-hour streaming of Ask the AI Jesus, where Ugh. people will be able to see and speak to Jesus' likeness, yeah, right. I guess. <laughs> She's wondering, is this sacrilegious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Blasphemous, dumb. What? I don't know what a Twitch is. I mean, I got a couple of ticks myself, but I don't know what a Twitch is. This whole AI Jesus business, isn't it a trendy thing? I suspect churches will be doing something like this because it's what people dig. Here's a question for you. Why will probably millions of people, if they haven't already, because we've been seeing a number of these AI Jesus softwares or whatever the programs are. Why are people digging it? I, I would say, if, let's just say there's a million people who have asked uh, AI Jesus a question. How many of those one million people do you think have consulted the word that Jesus inspired called the Bible? How many out of a million? What do you think? Uh, I'll bet less than 1%. Why? Because it's trendy. It's kind of cool. It's kind of hip. Let's not be tempted to let AI lead us to... AI Jesus. We've already got his word, and that's what we should be saying. To, oh, you want to know what Jesus said? Here, open up your Bible. This is Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture, and all of a sudden you hear... Everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you 
like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines, they typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Have you ever wanted to understand your Bible just a little bit better? Well, that's the promise that we're going to make with the Read Your Bible Better Bundle. It's available right now at Wretched.org through the end of this month. First up in the bundle, you're going to find Herman Who. If you've ever struggled with interpreting the Bible in the correct fashion, you know, grammatically and historically, well, then Herman Who is for you. Also in the bundle, you're going to find It's Not Greek to Me. So when you nod along with your pastor during church, you'll know exactly why you're nodding along. Then there's Drive-By Theology. No more confusion, no more uncertainty. You'll know exactly what you believe and why you believe it. And then Jesus Unmasked is also included. With Jesus Unmasked, you'll start to see the Bible as a cohesive book about one subject, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, and did I mention along with all of these resources, you're also going to get their study guides. It's the Read Your Bible Better Bundle, and it's only available right now at wretched.org through the end of the month. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1807. The British Parliament votes to abolish the slave trade. Its decision is owing in large part to the tireless efforts of the Christian politician, William Wilberforce. Wilberforce's example spurred on abolitionist efforts in America for the next 55 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Forget John Lennon. But let's imagine this is Wretched Radio. Let's use our imaginations just for a moment to potentially reveal how preposterous and foolish it is to merely memorize biblical truths. Imagine a man who studies automobile repair. I mean, his nose is in all of the manuals online. He even goes and visits auto repair stores and watches the mechanics But he doesn't use any of that knowledge even to change his oil. Imagine that. Imagine a mathematician who studies formulas, statistics, data analysis, memorizes formulas, and he studies it like a nobody's business watching the geekiest of messages on the Internet machine. But he 
doesn't even use it to balance his own checkbook. You'd go, what do you, what do I, what? Imagine a man or a woman who spends a lot of time listening to sermons, studying the Bible, going to conferences, but that information that is amassed via the Bible and the preaching of the word never does anything, never affects, never moves, it never changes action, it never stirs the heart. You'd say, well, that's kind of... I don't know why you're spending all your time doing that, but it seems like a little bit of a waste to me. Bingo. All right, let me see if I, okay. Would you like to know what I was singing in the shower this morning? You say, Friel, we'll let you tell us what you were singing. Just don't do the singing. Fair enough. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my life, my, hey, my life. My Lord, I, 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 I pour at thy feet its treasure store. As uh, it take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless place. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Uh, take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. In other words, our, our theology is <laughs> just stored in our noggins. It's got to make its way out. Now, there's a pretty decent chance that if you love theology, it's making its way to your feet and to your hands and perhaps to your eyeballs where you battle sin. You don't watch those things. You don't talk like that anymore. You don't go to those places, hang out with those people. That's good. But I would suggest this. If your theology is causing some of your behaviors to change, that's good. Don't hear me say otherwise. That's good. But if the knowledge that you've received through preaching and teaching has gone to your feet but bypassed your heart, then chances are you're using them, Tootsies, for the wrong reasons. You're, you're, you're grinding. You're, you're being obedient, and that's good. Don't get me wrong. Obedience is good even when you don't feel like it, but the Lord wants us to feel like it. He wants us to be, ex- all right, Lord, you don't want me going there. I ain't going because I love you more. Uh, There's no way I would want to go to the lesser thing. So, yeah, obedience is good if it's been working its way out. But I would simply ask you to ask your own self, uh, how's your your heart being changed? Your motives, not just the obedience, but the motives for your obedience. And please note, I'm not talking about hyper grace here. That's an immediate ditch that you can fall into lickety split. I'm not talking about that you can not ever think about the fear of God. Never think about worrying, oh, that he's a consuming. No, no, no. He loves me. And he just doesn't. He understands that we're but dirt. So I don't need to worry about sin. Wrong. You do. And you should be afraid of him. That's right. I said afraid. And you should be fully aware of his holiness. And you surely should be aware of his displeasure, his I'll just say his frown when we sin, that that those those things are there too, and it's going to keep you from presuming on grace, which is what hyper grace does. It's a presumption of grace. Hey, man, just think about the grace, delicious graciousness of the grace of God. And man, that's all you got to do. And it, no, it's not all you got to do. But 
that doesn't mean that you don't need to include understanding God's goodness to you expressed through Jesus Christ by dying on a cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven where he currently reigns, and he is mediating your salvation. You need theology. I need theology. We need truth. We need the fear of God. But to suggest that warm emotions about God shouldn't at least be a part of that in some degree certainly has to be as wrong as not wanting theology to be included in our thinking about God. Please send stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is... Jimmy, you know what this is doing? What is it? It's like a warm-up for September 17th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... I, look, if I'm wrong, feel free to tell me. By all means, tell me. Because it seems in Christendom, you either see liberal Protestants, ooey-gooey business, N-A-R, gloppy love, uh, you'll hear Joel Osteen slop being slung about the love of, you know, just and God. I get that. But it seems that we just have the other side where it's like sovereignty, election, justification. And those are those are magnificent. And, and, and we don't we don't abandon those. We focus on those in order to what? What is the point of these doctrines? Okay, this is definitely something we'll be talking about in St. Paul, September 17th, Faith Bible Church. The relational aspect of the doctrine of justification. It is not merely a legal document that gets signed at your salvation. It does something. And so as you go about your business of learning more about the Lord, and now you've got your MacArthur Study Bible. You love reading your footnotes. Cool, sweet, magnetic. Now, when you go to Bible Hub, you're not just reading the text. You're reading the commentaries. You're diving deep. Rock on. But take the extra time and effort to let it change you, stir you, move you. Amen. Jimmy, I don't need to go to St. Paul now. It's pretty much it. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> All right, this one's from Vinny. Todd, I have a sensitive topic that I'm still wrestling with in my life, and I've asked my wife not to press me on it. However, she insists that I'm not willing to communicate with her and brings it up anyway whenever (laughs) she feels like she needs to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So what should the posture of my heart be, and how should I approach it? Yeah. Yeah, here's Here's what I'd love to do, Vinny. I don't want to talk about you. You have to, when you're talking to Vinny, you got to talk like that. I don't want to talk about you, Vinny, because I don't want to make you feel bad because I don't understand what it is you're dealing with. I I, I don't know what it is, whatever it is. So Vinny, sorry, buddy. We're not going to talk about you. Let's talk about men in general. There's just something you don't want to talk about. It's work. You know, you come home from work. How was work? I don't want to talk about it. Well, I would like to know what's going on. You said you had the project and you were wondering if your boss was going to talk to you about the. What's your response? I don't want to talk about it. Or your response could be, I told you I don't want to talk about it. Why do you keep bringing this up? And now you take your ire and you aim it directly at her. How do we respond in a marriage? And this is both ways, by the way, but. Sir, I'm looking at you because we 
this is in my estimation and this is this is a hard book to write but these are the types of things that make a man a man these these are the things we what, what did we do wild at heart and you got to go riding a four-wheeler and you got to act all manly and you got to go to a cage match uh, okay those those are those are masculine expressions that are fine that doesn't make you a masculine it doesn't make you a man what i think are the are the things that really make a man a biblical man is coming home and you're, you, you, you even announce, honey, I've had a terrible day. I don't want to talk about it. So tell me, did you have your meeting? What do you do? Might I suggest, sir, you suck it up. You just suck it up. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. It appears she does. Now, could it be that you say, oh, sweetheart, if you don't mind, could we maybe talk about this later? Or could we just stall this until, you know, I get, I get myself in I get that. But let's just say she's on it. She just keeps persisting. As a man, we should recognize something's up. So she's she's concerned about something here. No matter how she's expressing it, you bring something up, it's because it's on your mind. Well, it's on her mind. So what does that mean? I need to serve. And that means I put myself in the back seat. It means I talk about something I'd prefer to not talk about at this moment. I'm tired. My brain has been running this play too many times. I don't really have it sorted. I don't know how to get the ball into the end zone. But you talk about it anyway, because that is how we serve. That is how we lead. And that is how we show strength. We master our desires for the sake of her desires. Want to be a man? Practice that. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up on the docket today, the International Powerlifting Federation, or IPF, for those of you who don't like to spell things out, me included. They've mandated that transgender athletes need to present identification, showing they've identified as the opposite sex for at least four years prior to competing against women. That makes things more fair for women? Yeah, I didn't think so. The federal appeals court has upheld an Alabama law that restricts minors from receiving puberty blockers, cross-sex hormone treatments, and trans surgeries. This is how you handle transgender treatments of minors. According to the ruling, the state has what they call a compelling interest in protecting children from treatments with uncertain benefits or an irreversible effects. This is the second appeals court to uphold such a law, and it looks like the U.S. Supreme Court will eventually also take it up. If only all of the laws in this country were aimed at protecting the most vulnerable among us, we would be doing so much better off than we are right now. And next we go to Canada, where Canadian Environment Minister Catherine McKenna has called carbon tax opponents arsonists who are responsible for the forest fires across Canada. You know, that's fun propaganda. I mean, name-calling and whatnot. But arsonists usually are people with matches, not opinions. But hey, we are living in a brave new world, aren't we? 
Switching gears to the educational realm, the Child Evangelism Fellowship is in the trenches fighting the good fight because they're attempting to get good news clubs into public schools. Mainly focused on parts of the country where satanic clubs have been founded and allowed to meet, those are the areas where the good news clubs are also trying to get a foothold. Let's be praying this initiative actually takes root. And speaking of fights worth fighting, Indiana and South Carolina have legislated new abortion laws. Indiana restricts abortion to hospitals or hospital-owned surgical centers, and South Carolina went the heartbeat route, essentially saying if there's a beat, you can delete. As expected, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU have contested the laws, but it seems like in both cases, the Supreme Courts of each state have held firm. And last, but certainly not least, 14 American cities have signed up for what's been dubbed C40. It's an agreement of environmental magnum opus that aims for things like zero meat and dairy consumption and zero private vehicles by 2030. <laughs> yeah, what can go wrong with this? Seriously, just think about it for half a second, and I'm sure you'll realize it too. That's been today's Wretched News Break. We've got more Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. First Timothy contains Paul's instructions to his protege for church leadership. Paul exhorts Timothy to confront and correct false teachers and to preserve sound doctrine through church structure and preaching of the word. The church has a responsibility to preserve and maintain the truth given by God in His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, you didn't ask for this example, but I'm going to give it anyway. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, the question that Vinny, who we are not talking about because we don't want to... We don't want Vinny to feel like, hey, uh, you don't understand the issue here. So I, I get it. There's complexities. We're talking in general about how a man responds to a wife who wants to talk when you don't want to. Mm -hmm. There's there's complexities to this, so, you know, to say, well, no, there's never you can't say you just have to talk about it. Shut up, sir. And just be a man. OK, there there's there, there can be nuances to this. Right. For instance, sweetheart. That clearly this is on your mind. Right now, uh, could I just maybe have a little bit of time here to get this sorted? Can I put my thoughts together and I and, and then we can talk about it once we put the kids to bed? And you could even go further. But because right now, this issue for me, and now you're gonna do something crazy, dude. Gonna be vulnerable. This issue for me, it's it's when I when I have to think about it and talk about it. Um, it's unpleasant for me. So could we cap the conversation at X number of minutes? Those are all fair things to do. But the overall principle would be your wife can be a part of whatever it is that you're dealing with, even if you're not a fan of discussing it at the moment. She's one flesh with you. Yep. Jimmy, you just said something I think important. Yeah, I, I just said that um, that um, there shouldn't be a situation that you're wrestling or struggling with uh, at all that your wife is not also a part of yep. because she's struggling with it too. Yeah. So, okay. An example, you're not going to like this. In fact, I'm going to make a prediction, Jimmy. Out of the tens and tens of people, each and every one of them in about 30 seconds is going to go, oh, do you 
Mm, really? <laughs> Here it is. Maybe I mentioned because well, I'm pretty much a crybaby when it comes to pain or discomfort. I got bit by something mm. in the back of my leg. All right. And it's taken a while to heal. And Mrs. Friel always wants to look at it. And I don't want her. I just, it's like, I look, I got it. I know it's, 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 yeah, it's slow. Whatever the deal is, I don't know, but it's getting better now. But she, hey, can I take a look at that? And I don't feel like it. So you know what I do? I let her look. Do I like it? No. Does it make me happy? No. Why do I do it? It's because she's actually concerned. I, isn't it funny that you can respond to something that you just don't feel like doing in a negative kind of way, and maybe even downright nasty kind of way, without stopping to think, why would my wife want to look at that disgusting bite on the back of my knee? Because she loves me and she cares. And for me to go, really? You just looked at it like this morning, okay? Why would, what, duh, 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 duh. She's my one flesh. She is the back of my knee. Okay, that didn't come out exactly right. But my knee is her knee. I'm hers. She's mine. She has rights and access to that. Now, again, the complexities, nuances, got it. But the principle is, I just, she wants to know. She wants to know. Okay, then I'm going to talk about it because that's what she wants. And I want to put my needs behind her needs. And if we, one of the things that might motivate you, sir, to be acting like that more is, I'm telling you, that's manly. That's what a dude does. Not a muscle head, not just getting bigger quads. It's, it's, it's putting myself subservient to others. Everybody, by the way, not just my family, everybody. Others first. Esteem others as better than yourself. Read Romans 12. You just watch that theme keep popping up. You read Philippians chapter 2. It explodes. Now, I'm here to serve. Why? Because I've been served. Not papers. Well, not, not yet. But I've been served by the Lord who saved me. Look at how he served. We don't we don't know how temptation is it's 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 always a tricky subject when it comes to Jesus and temptation. His temptations were real. As the divine son of God, he couldn't succumb to those temptations. They were real, they were genuine, but he couldn't. Okay. So having said that, do you think that there were ever times when his he just was tired? But somebody came to him. Can you imagine Jesus? Um, hey Lord, ah. Uh, I've got this Nicodemus came to him when at night. So let's just let's just use sanctified imagination for a moment that that Jesus is tired. It's evening. He's been at this all day. Sun up to sundown. Read Mark. Bang, bang, bang. Just moving, going, doing. And, and, And along comes this fellow who has religion questions. You know, I really don't want to talk about this anymore. No, you can't imagine that, can you? Even though physically tired, uh, perhaps having said the same thing 50 times that day, he served. He's our role model. And we study 
him, and then we behave like him increasingly. And as you do, you're going to become a real man, a real man. Don't be deceived by this. If you want to go to the gym and get buff, you knock yourself, you go ahead and do that. That's fine. But that that's not going to make you a man. That's not it. Because even if the world, you walk down the street and the world goes, look at that guy, man, he's buff. Okay. So you've got the world's approval, perhaps. But what about the Lord's approval? Is he knocked out by your muscle mass or your hunting skills? No, but it's pleasing when he sees character. When, he, when a man who loves to go hunting hears his wife say, really, dear? See what I did there? Dear. And fun. Really, dear? Are, are, you, are you going again this weekend? That man, is, he's got a choice. He's going to go do a manly activity. Or he's going to stay home and be a man, serve his wife, put his hunting needs behind him. That is manliness. Please send questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. He is impressed by my fishing skills, though. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, this one is from Jesse. Todd, my husband and I officially started homeschooling our now fourth grader this past summer. Would you mind sharing some resources uh, that you recommend uh, about homeschooling? Well, I'd recommend uh, <laughs> for home. Here's this is the recommendation. This is going to feel entirely unsatisfying, but I'm telling you, this is I think the best advice. When people ask, "Hey, what homeschool curriculum?" there there are a number of very fine ones, and I'm not even going to mention them because I don't want to drive you in that direction. Why? Because those homeschool curricula are different. They 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 they, they are different. There's one that's academic. Okay, it's apology. It's it's really academic. There are others that are less so. So it's kind of, if you will, like the NASB versus the NLT sort of. Okay, which which one does your kid need? That's the one you should get. And a lot of them are very fine. You know, different strengths and weaknesses. How do you know which one to get? Don't ask people about the curriculum. What can you tell me about apologia? How did your kids do? What, what type of kid do you have that responded well? And what type of kid do you have who didn't respond well to that? As opposed to saying, what homeschool curriculum should I use? Because they're going to tell you, I would tell you which ones our kids used. And you don't need that. You know your kids. Now, here it comes. You need to go look at the panoply of options. And there are many of them. And, and, and take a look at them and try to fit that curriculum to your kid. And if you're just starting in the process, it, it could be a little hit, hit or miss for a while. Furthermore, it could be different subjects, have different curriculum. So you're going to put together a bit of an eclectic mix. You've got a kid who's strong in math, but when it comes to art or vice versa, then, then you get that appropriate curriculum. Where do you get it? Where do you find all of those things? Because if you go Googling, <laughs> overwhelming. So slightly less overwhelming is going to a homeschool convention. Go shopping, go walking, go looking. Spend a couple of days. Go to the booths on day one and learn and ask questions. Look through the books. Take notes. You're the teacher. Homeschool is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. 
If you're not prepared to do the work, if you just just give me the stuff, I give it to the kid, I get to do what I need to do, and then they turn in their papers and I get them graded eventually. That ain't that ain't good homeschooling. Good homeschooling is you're you're the teacher. You're the one who needs to make wise decisions. And you need to therefore put together the curriculum that is best for your kids. That's just some work. So you spend day one, you take your notes, maybe you go out to dinner that night. They usually have the homeschool to teach them diligently at those big water park places. So you go and do whatever and eat at Longhorn. And then the next day you go back again and you get focused and you get the ones you think are best. You bring them home if they work out great. If they don't, then you just go do the next one. Because the beauty, one of the beauties of homeschooling is that you can custom design the curriculum for your kids based on their strengths and weaknesses. So all that to say, <laughs> you've got a lot of work to do. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Ah, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today and listen up, gospel partners. I also want to thank you for standing firm with us in the mission to reach millions of people around the world. Your ongoing support has been nothing short of incredible. But guess what? We are not done yet. No, not by a long shot. And we need you to keep standing firm with us as we continue sharing the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Ephesians 6.13 tells us, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. And that's what we're desiring from you. And don't worry about wasteful spending because 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. We're ECFA approved and that's verifiable. So gospel partners, let's continue preaching the gospel to the lost, equipping people to preach the gospel and strengthening the local church. Just visit wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves 
$500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-BIBLE. Attributes of God God is omniscient, meaning He knows all things. He knows all things past, present, and future. God does not learn new information, and nothing takes Him by surprise. He knows what will happen, and is working all things for His glory, and the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You don't even need to drop a dime. This is Wretched Radio. That would be a dated way of saying you don't even need to spend money to call because back in the old days you did. You'd drop a dime. Then it became a quarter. Now you don't even find a payphone. You've got it in your back pocket. Please use it to call 1-877-282-BEEP. 1-877-282-BEEP. Beep. Beep. <laughs> you waiting on me to ask a yes, question? Yes, I am. What question do I well, have? Well, you said that there were a number of, of phone calls oh, yes, that so- we received on a particular subject, and, uh-huh. and you kind of you kind of have um, conglomerated them. That's right. <laughs> I just made up a word. You condensed them into like one pithy thought. What right. was it? Well, they're asking um, the, the, about Christian nationalism and the relationship between church and state and, and that you've been talking about recently. And uh, the, it, basically wanting to know, well, okay, let's go back this week. Uh, we played the clip of the guy that spoke at the school board meeting. The Alex, pastor. I think something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Up in York. Right. He's a pastor of a Bible church. Right. Right. And so the question was, why did you play him if you're against Christian nationalism? Because that's a, the definition of it. Well, okay. Let's do, just, just to unpack that. The reason we played it is because it was good. Because I believe that an individual who chooses to go to a school board or a city council meeting as a Christian needs to give a message of repentance. And that's exactly what he did. It wasn't political. It, it, it was, I'm a Christian pastor. I teach at a Bible church. I'm a part of a pro-life ministry. You're sinning. You're, you're, you're participating in murder. You have blood on your hands. You need to repent. Forgiveness is available to you and everybody in this room. That's that's being a Christian. That's not being a Christian nationalist. That's just being a Christian. Now, do I realize, and please note, with Christian nationalism, very broad tent that, that, that a lot of things slot under. And that's precisely why I think those folks are folk who call to say, well, that's, that's Christian nationalism. Oh, no, a Christian nationalist might do that. But that doesn't mean that I, as a not Christian nationalist, can't say that and go, that's good. There's some overlap. Now, I would actually suggest this, though. Depending on your shade of Christian nationalist, the Christian nationalist would go to the city council meeting and say, and here's why you need to repent, as opposed to because God is going to judge you, which is, I think, exactly what that pastor in New York City did. Talked about the judgment. Of God. It's coming. You better escape the wrath that is to come. That's a Christian message. The Christian nationalism, depending on their stripe, is going to probably talk 
a little differently than that fellow did. He's going to say things like the government has a particular duty and responsibility. And if you're not adhering to it, then you uh, as a, a magistrate do not need to be listened to. And we don't think that you're making wise decisions. Therefore, we even have, and again, varying stripes, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to poke anybody in the eyes here, would say that you you shouldn't be in your office and we're we should remove you because we're the church. And the church has a voice in government. That would be more along the lines of what a Christian nationalist, again, varying stripes of Christian nationalist would say, as opposed to just speaking repentance. The overlap is an issue. Now, some of those people, Jimmy, they can say, hey, um, do you say the Pledge of Allegiance? Well, I don't have much opportunity to, but I'm okay with the Pledge of Allegiance because it's under God. If, if that phrase were out of there, I'd have a lot of thinking to do. But because it's under God and I'm pledging allegiance to him as I pledge allegiance to a nation, um, I, I'm okay with it. And you go, well, that's that's Christian nationalism. No, that's just being okay with saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Overlap doesn't mean complete harmony and agreement. So there are definitely differences and distinctions. And I will say this again. Please feel free to call. Please feel free to to say whatever you want to. That's okay. Let's just, let's work through this. I, I haven't gotten to this yet. I just printed this up yesterday and I didn't get a chance to read it last night. I, I, well, okay, let's just say a high profile theologian, because I, I, I haven't read it yet. The headline was, is concerned how Christian nationalism, it's making its way into evangelical circles. Okay, this is, this is, a hot potato, increasingly so. Okay, let's let's have the conversation. Uh, we're not talking about something here that's going to send anybody to hell. <laughs> we're just not. Jimmy, I'll bet if you and I like sat down with a list of 20 different issues regarding church and state, being a citizen, obedience, submission, all that, we, you and I might end up going, well... You know, kind of, or, or we might arrive at the same conclusion through a different path. That's true. Well, no, you don't, you don't get there the way that I do. Away with the, let's, hmm, no. So express it, say it. I love you. You love me. You are calling one eight seven seven two eight two beep you going to rescue me from this disaster? <laughs> hey, Todd, I was just curious. How come I never hear the argument that the Catholic Church gives uh, Mary uh, two godly attributes, mainly uh, omni- uh, omnipresence and omniscience? That seems like a pretty big deal that doesn't seem to get talked about much. Well, I'm not sure. I don't. Okay, I'm not certain about this. Jimmy, you can Google it, and please feel free to correct me. You can call Beep Talk and do so that the Roman Catholic Church uses language about Mary, like co-redemptrix, which it's like, whoa, you and I understand. We need a divine human savior because we need a representative. We need a satisfactory atonement and only the God-man Jesus Christ can accomplish that. But I'm not aware that the Catholic Church ascribes divinity. They will say she's the Theotokos, and even that's a that word can be understood two different ways that she's the mother of God, 
but isn't divine. Now they elevate her status to that, but I'm not sure. In fairness, I'm not sure that they say that explicitly. Jimmy, it looks like you're Googling. So uh, yeah, I'm looking. Let, let me know if I've got that wrong. Nevertheless, well, there, there are certain things they can't. And so you'd expect to see some inconsistencies because it's a it's a doctrine that I think grieves Mary. Think Magnificat. The gratitude, God, you've chosen me because I need a savior too. Blessed is the woman that nursed thee, the paps from which thou hast sucked. Nay, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it in their hearts. Jesus loved his mother. Jesus was submissive to his mother growing up. That perfect obedience as a child. But he didn't raise her to divine status, and we shouldn't either. And I think if she knew that that were happening now for about 1,500 years, she'd be grieved by it. You find anything that says the Catholic Church identifies her as divine in any way? Kind of. Uh, so this is called Catholic Mariology. Yeah. And uh, it says that um, because she was conceived and born uh Without sin, Mary is uh, is seen as having a singular divinity above the saints, receiving higher level of veneration than all angelic spirits and blessed souls. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. And let's just do that infinite regress, shall we? How is Mary born without sin? I can explain it with Jesus, the seed, the overshadowing. Got it. Mary, who? which one of her parents? Oh, so in order for her to be sinless, then her parents would have to be sinless. And you know what that means? Then her grandparents would have to be sinless and great-grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if they are elevating her status, eh, she's a human who needs a savior. Was she blessed? Yes. Was she chosen by God for something? Wow. Absolutely. That's why we do honor her. She, she raised our savior. She took care of him. Yeah, we're we're grateful for that, but divine status? Nope. There is only one who has that. God himself. Hi Todd, just calling to say thank you. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> This is this is it, sort of like the love of God business. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle with this one, aren't I? No, you're so helpful. <laughs> Hi, Todd. Just calling to say thank you for defending us ladies who leave the cabinet open because we are busy and it falls out of our brains. My husband has regularly told me that he's just going to take the doors off the cabinet and ah. he probably should. Jimmy, you are in good company. <laughs> you know what? What I hear there? <laughs> what? A failure to submit. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I hope your wife doesn't listen to this program because you know it's going to be a long weekend for you. <laughs> it, 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 it does seem to be an, that people there's, and I suspect that there are men who do that too. Could it be absent-mindedness? Yes. Could it be that they're just preoccupied? Yes. And if that's the case, they're not sinning. Now, if they're doing it just to get up your nose, yeah, that would be a sin. And I suspect that Jimmy's wife is doing it for that very reason. <laughs> so she's a sinner. Well, I join her in that sin, quite honestly. <laughs> if I ever were invited to your home. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.